0: back to the David Glenn Show. Chuck Amato is going to drop by in about 30 minutes. There's a new documentary tonight, The Bowden Dynasty. Bobby Bowden, glory days of the Florida State Seminoles. Chuck Amato, known best around here for his playing and coaching days with the NC State Wolfpack, was a huge part of helping Bobby Bowden build that FSU dynasty. Coach Amato live in 30 minutes. Joining us now... Live, as promised, from ESPN and NFL Nation on all things National Football League. He is a versatile guy, so we may even ask him about 9-11 and or the crazy Antonio Brown story, but certainly the Panthers matchup against the Buccaneers, that matchup will Start week two of NFL action. David, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. I usually wish you a good day or ask you how you're doing. This is kind of a sad anniversary in many ways. The 18th anniversary of one of the worst days in modern American history. What does September 11th, 2001, what memory does that bring back for you who's been on NFL beats for a long time?
1: Yeah, I was way back when I was covering the Carolina Panthers for the uh, state paper in Columbia, South Carolina, and I was—I remember I was at the gym and I was on a treadmill, and I looked up at the TV screen and I saw the 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 Trade centers on fire for the first flight, and I just like—I wa- I remember walking off the treadmill, walking straight back to uh, to the door and out there, and got in the car, drove home with the call to check on my kids, and then I just sat in front of the TV, just kind of stunned. 'Cause it was a Tuesday afternoon and for the NFL players. Uh... We just
0: we just lost his signal. All right, Darren's going to see if you can get David Newton back. It sounded clear, and then it dropped entirely. David Newton of ESPN and NFL Nation joining us on the David Glenn Show. You all know the Panthers lost their opener 30-27 to at home against the Rams. That was the week one assignment. It is a lesser opponent for sure in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They lost at home to San Francisco in week one. They are picked almost unanimously to finish fourth, meaning last in the nfc south here's how it's going to shake out the saints and drew Brees look good again and the preseason favorites for most in that division the falcons and the panthers are kind of somewhere in the middle you have those believing they're good enough to go 10 and 6 and those believing they're capable of crashing to 6 and 10. the buccaneers would be the opposite of the saints and hence tomorrow night especially with the panthers getting the bucks at home You'd think, well, you know they're a big favorite. You'd think they feel a need to get this done. All right, so we got that you were stepping off the treadmill. You checked on your kids. You were watching TV, stunned like the rest of us, and then uh, your, your line cut off.
1: Sorry about that. I, I, it really, it was just a, it was one of those days. It's kind of like uh, you're just never going to forget where you were and what you were doing that day. and um, It's always good to remember that time, only anniversary of it, but it also brings back really bad memories of what it was all about.
0: Well put. David Newton joining us. Follow him on Twitter at ESPN. This is not a Panthers beat question, but I wonder your thoughts as a veteran NFL reporter when you see the latest chapter of the Antonio Brown story. He has not caught a pass for the Patriots yet. He actually is practicing with his new team, New England, today, according to reports. But in a lawsuit filed yesterday, he's accused of three sexual assaults, including a violent rape. Uh, Everybody's looking to see what Roger Goodell, the commissioner, is going to do with this circumstance. What were your thoughts when you saw that headline, and what's your educated guess on what's going to happen?
1: I'd like to say I was surprised, but uh, with Antonio Brown and the soap opera around him, you're never surprised by anything that happens there. It's probably going to take a while for this thing to play out. It'll be interesting to see how quick the NFL reacts to this. Uh, I understand that Antonio Brown was wearing number one at practice for the Patriots, which is kind of interesting. Um, he switched from his normal 84. So, I don't know. It's just, again, this it's too bad Hard Knox couldn't have just covered Antonio Brown and been alive for everything that's gone on the past two weeks because it's been an incredible
0: Uh, same sound we got the last time. All right, I don't know what to do. You decide what to do with David Newton's phone. One eight hundred eight four nine two seven six one. Chuck Amato is going to join us in twenty-five minutes to talk about his wolf pack. He, of course, is no longer the coach nor a star player, but he is still wearing those colors in a sense. Chuck Amato, former Wolfpack star, linebacker, and longtime head coach, served under Bobby Bowden as Coach Bowden was building that Florida State football dynasty. The Bowden dynasty debuts tonight on the ACC network. Chuck is among the interviewees there. He will join us live in about 25 minutes here on the David Glenn Show. You let me know if you want to take another stab at – David Newton, Darren, or whether you would want me to open up for phone calls, 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Buccaneers against the Panthers all-time. You probably would know this. Carolina has the better of this rivalry. 23 wins against 14 for the Buccaneers. Our question of the day remains the same. Besides a victory... What do you need to see from the Panthers tomorrow night to believe that they are a playoff team? One news tidbit that dribbled out a little bit earlier today, the veteran outside linebacker Bruce Irvin remains sidelined with a hamstring injury. So Irvin out against the Buccaneers. Greg Olson got dinged last week but did say that he expects to play. So it will be a mostly healthy Panthers team. Uh, Let's move on from Antonio Brown and move to the Panthers. I saw that free agent signee Gerald McCoy once considered Warren Sapp a mentor. And even though McCoy just reminded us this week that whenever he retires, he will do so As a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, even though he's proudly wearing the Panthers uniform nowadays, what fractured the relationship with Warren Sapp, and what do we know about McCoy's kind of good-natured complaints about not playing enough snaps against the Rams last week?
1: Well, uh, again, I apologize for the phone going in and out. I mean, Antonio Brown must have control of this somehow. I don't know. It's got to be a connection. But, uh, you know... uh, McCoy, it was interesting. He said this is just another game. Then he spent 30 minutes, literally 30 minutes, talking to reporters about it. I mean, we would beg for 30 minutes with almost any player of the locker room. Not many are willing to give it, but he was willing to talk that long. Um, and he obviously has some hard feelings with, with Warren Sapp over what happened, over uh, what Warren said when he was complaining about, you know, the. The the Bucks given away as number ninety three to Sue so fast. Um, he did refer to it in past tense as we were basically uh, like family members. So that's interesting there. Uh, Gerald McCoy's relationship with the Bucks. And he's going to retire, as he said, as a member of the Bucks. He's already talked to ownership about that. Uh, he doesn't have any harbor any bad feelings about the organization in general, just like he doesn't have like Steve Smith did at one point where he was talking about the blood and guts game. He's, he truly believes this is just another game. He needs to play well this game and all the games. He was disappointed in his playing time in the opener a little bit. Uh, he's used to playing close to you know, 70 or more percent of the snaps for the Bucks, and he only got in what, around 50% with the Panthers this past week. So that's probably something he's just going to have to get used to because the Panthers use a the rotation there. Ron Rivera said it; he's just got to adapt to that because they want to keep the star players fresh for crunch time, as Rivera said. So that's something that that McCoy is going to have to adjust to in this this formation. And last week they did play a lot of odd man fronts out there because they were trying to negate what the the Rams like to do. So it was just an unusual situation, kind of a clash of of a lot of things. happening.
0: David Newton is joining us from ESPN and NFL Nation. We'll have to let him go because it's, it's another uh, collapsing phone line. I guess right at the end of each answer, the phone dies. At least he got to the end of that one. Y'all know what happened last week. Panthers l- fall to the LA Rams 30-27 to in week one. They are favored against the Buccaneers tomorrow night. That game is at Bank of America Stadium. In fact, we're sending some of our listeners to that matchup. They are always among the first prizes in the David Glenn Show prize closet, claimed by on- air winners and listeners chuck amato live in about 20 minutes your phone calls on the other side just besides a victory what do you need to see from the panthers tomorrow night to believe that they are a playoff team i'll give my answer to that as we welcome yours 1-800-849-2761 and in college football since carolina and wake forest are playing a non-conference game this friday as the Panthers get the NFL week two started, the Deeks and the Heels will get NFL, or college football week three underway head-to-head in Winston-Salem. It is a non-conference game. This was not handed to them by the ACC headquarters. They got together as administrators and chose to play this as a non-conference game. It's a resumption, of course, a long-standing rivalry. If you didn't know, Wake Forest as a university used to be located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, meaning the town of Wake Forest, making it really, really close to Duke and UNC and NC State from Wake Forest to NC State's campus is like a 30-minute drive. Now, long ago, Wake Forest University relocated from Wake Forest, North Carolina, to Winston-Salem, but even in the aftermath of that, they're only 90 or so minutes away. They're still members of the same conference in the ACC context for almost seven decades, but because of expansion and realignment, they don't play each other in football every year anymore. Again, Duke, Duke. NC State fits that description as well. They're in opposite divisions. You play the teams in your division every year, but you only play the teams in the other division on a rotating basis. So you need unusual circumstances like this, both parties willing to gobble up one of your four available non-conference slots for a matchup like this. As presidents of universities and commissioners and athletic directors continue to say, They see the downsides of conference expansion and realignment, but the upsides are even bigger in their eyes because of the explosion of TV money and these successful TV channels, including the SEC network, the ACC network, and the Big Ten network. My question is for you as a fan. Has conference realignment and expansion, have those combined made you enjoy college sports more or less because you're not getting the benefit of that TV money directly, sh- for sure. But you have watered down rivalries and perhaps more games where you have little to no interest against teams that in some cases you've never heard of. Realignment and expansion. Have they em- enabled you to enjoy college sports more or less as fans even as those administrators are telling us it was a necessary and good thing. 1-800-849-2761. I'll also hit you with some quick reminders about the Antonio Brown situation. In what jeopardy has this lawsuit put Antonio Brown? Who's in charge? What is the evidence so far beyond a he said, she said, former trainer Brittany Taylor alleges three different sexual assaults, one of them a violent rape in the years 2017 and 2018. Did she go to the police? If not, why not? What other evidence beyond Antonio Brown's denials through his attorney and Brittany Taylor's allegations toward AB, what el- what other evidence do we have at this relatively early stage? And does Roger Goodell have the power right now to put Antonio Brown on some sort of exempt list or suspended list even before all the facts are in. I'll help you separate fact from fiction. I'll answer some of those questions as we welcome your calls on 9-11, the Panthers question of the day, and the realignment question of the day. Chuck Amato live in about 15 minutes. Your calls are next at 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right
1: through the formation as if he was a wide receiver (laughs) to be a part of the play.
0: The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You
1: always think of calling that dramatic last second buzzer beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic.
0: This is The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show chuck amato of nc state and florida state fame will join us in about 10 minutes the bowden dynasty documentary debuts tonight chuck was among the many interviewees in that celebration of bobby bowden and his legacy Bobby's joined us many times over the years. We've been sprinkling in some of his pearls of wisdom as a guest on the David Glenn Show. We'll talk with Coach Amato live in about 10 minutes. We're taking your calls on the other headlines of the day. Team USA goes down hard. First loss by the Americans in international basketball major competition since 2006. They are out of the medals entirely. They lost to France in the quarterfinals a little bit earlier today. Major League Baseball breaking news. The wild card positions continue to jostle back and forth, and meanwhile, there is a season-ending injury to a superstar on one of the playoff contenders. Christian Yelich of the Milwaukee Brewers is done for the season. The Brew Crew, one of the teams fighting for a wild card position, it really comes down to basically in the American League, you have three teams fighting for two spots: Tampa, Oakland, and Cleveland. One will be left out; the other two will make it. In the NL. It's kind of crazy. I, there are at least six teams fighting for two spots. The Nationals and the Cubs are in the driver's seat, if you will. The Brewers join the Phillies, Arizona, and the Mets as at least hanging on and hanging in there. But Yelich's departure, obviously a huge hit to Milwaukee's chances. 1-800-849-2761. I got questions as we welcome your 9-11 related sports reflections. Your Panthers answers to our question of the day, besides a victory, what do you need to see from Carolina tomorrow night against the Buccaneers to believe they are a playoff team? It is Thursday night football right here in our backyard with the Panthers hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 1-800-849-2761. And college sports fans, has realignment or expansion made you enjoy college sports more or less UNC's game at Wake Forest in college football this Friday? is a non-conference game and a reflection that decades-old rivalries were kind of pushed to the side. Deeks and the Heels don't play each other every year in football because of realignment and expansion. So they're making up for it in part by these occasional non-conference games. Doesn't mean fans like what happened many years ago. As the administrators continue to collect their money, I think a majority of fans don't like the watered-down rivalries or games against teams they don't know, with coaches they don't know, and players they don't know in many cases, compared to maybe an eight-team ACC, where you felt like you knew not only your own tool team in school well, but uh, you knew the coaches and star players for all of the other teams back then as well. I came into this league, believe it or not, when it was eight teams. Man, that makes me feel old. Pretty soon, Florida State joined, making it nine right at the beginning of the 1990s. But uh, that was a whole different world. The pluses far, far outweigh the minuses, even from my perspective. But I understand from the fans' personal interest, it's one of those things where you value the rivalries more and you don't see the big money that has been made because it's not hitting your pocket. I get it. Chuck Amato, later this hour, your phone calls now at 1-800-849-2761. One thing I referenced earlier today, September 11th has taken its place as a phrase, as one of the worst days in modern American history. I gave you my Boston College athlete, Wells Crowther, a superstar in a time of tragedy. He died after helping save 18 lives as the tower in which he worked on the 104th floor as an equities trader was hit by that plane, the former BC lacrosse player, one by one, helped save that many other lives, but uh, ended up dying himself in that 9-11 tragedy. 9-11 was famous for an actual sports milestone before it was taken over in our vernacular by that horrible day 18 years ago today. In 1985 there was a ship passing another famous baseball ship in the night. They were not contemporaries, but they were the two greatest baseball players on the hit list. Hit list is another phrase that has taken a different connotation all these years later. But in 1985, Darren Vaught, as the voice of USA Baseball, but as a member of the 20-something and 30-something generation, would you know? And, of course, by 85, that was like my high school senior year. I, I was not only aware of the player in the moment who was passing the legendary baseball star of yesteryear, I got to witness Pete Rose. So Pete Rose, on September 11th, 1985, got his 4,000th, 192nd base hit. That put him past a guy named Ty Cobb from way back when, way before my time. And just to put that milestone in perspective, among active major league players right now, Albert Pujols has the most hits, and he's not even within a 1,000 hits of Pete Rose. So 4192 will be standing for quite a while longer as Ty Cobb and Pete Rose both have checkered pasts for different reasons nobody doubted their baseball contributions they just had checkered pasts for other reasons that was night september 11th 1985 i'll never forget pete rose most famous for his time with the big red machine in cincinnati but did become a part of my philadelphia phillies for a while as well 1-800-849-2761 rose ended with 4256 hits so he didn't play a lot longer after breaking that record but that number again Uh, Base hits are not as valued today as they once were. It's that upward trajectory. It's exit velocity. It's home runs and walks and stuff. So Pete Rose may be sitting atop of that mountain for a long, long time. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. I did promise a quick Antonio Brown update as Dan wants in on baseball, Gary wants in on 9-11, and you can join us at 1-800-849-2761. One interesting note, Adam Schefter of ESPN is among those reporting that the Patriots were blindsided slash surprised by the Antonio Brown news. The reason you do background checks on people is that sometimes you can find stuff like this. Now, a, a traditional background check will kick up lawsuits and, and criminal prosecutions, et cetera, certainly convictions. But this lawsuit, remember, was just filed Tuesday night. So a traditional background check can't catch a Lawsuit that just happened. Sometimes a more elaborate backup background check. You just talk to people close to Antonio Brown and say, "Is there anything hovering over his head?" Well, of course, he knows that this woman, his former trainer Brittany Taylor, a fellow athlete at Central Michigan University way back in the day. Somebody near Antonio Brown knew that she had been making noise for some time. And sometimes a more broad back check, background check, could get the Patriots to understand, hey, not only is the weird foot injury and the cryotherapy, not only did he basically threaten Mike Mayock, the Raiders GM, not only was he this bad boy in these ways with the Steelers, but there's this woman hanging around who he claims he was consensually involved with sexually. Uh, but she asked him to loan her money at one point, and it was seven figures. He claims he just refused to invest in her business, and now he claims that she's, you know, what's the old saying, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned? He says that she's a consensual partner who was mad that whatever, their relationship didn't go further and that he rejected her loan idea. Seven figures is not chump change, even if you make a lot of money. So he's saying, oh, we were partners, but it's no big deal. Sometimes a background check can dig up, hey, it's not public yet, but this woman sounds like somebody who might be filing a lawsuit. Patriots claim they're completely blindsided by this, and given that the lawsuit was only filed last night or yesterday, it's believable that the Patriots were blindsided by this. They know the rest of Antonio Brown's checkered history, along with his productivity, of course. But this woman had never gone to the police, so it's not like you can find that kind of a police report or something. There was no criminal, justing, criminal justice proceeding of any time. This is a lawsuit. This is not a criminal justice matter. The former trainer, Brittany T- Taylor, says that she was sexually assaulted three times over a two-year period, 2017 and 2018, and that one of those three sexual assaults was a forcible rape. There's definitely a lot of he said, she said to this story. Brown declined the seven-figure investment opportunity. He says that these sentiments are part of that resentment. He says there was a sexual relationship, but that it was consensual. Now Roger Goodell is back in a driver's seat where we've seen him many times. Cowboys fans, some of them to this day, Jerry Jones and Ezekiel Elliott, are still mad at Roger Goodell for the suspension that Zeke got When, remember, no criminal justice charges, no criminal justice conviction there. A lot of times, police look at a case or a district attorney looks at a case, and through the DA's eyes, you have to be able to picture, can I see myself having enough evidence to convince enough members of a jury to declare guilt when the bar is set as beyond a reasonable doubt? Sometimes a DA will tell a a team or somebody else, listen, I've been in this a long time. This is he said, she said. This is like, are they going to believe him or her? Flip of the coin. We don't know. And even if you're at this for a long enough time, you usually need more evidence, photos, bruises, a third party who can be sort of a neutral observer and just testify to what he or she did see or didn't see, right? When it's truly only he says this, she says that, and then it's another layer where he does admit that they had a sexual relationship, so what are you left with? She says it wasn't consensual. He says it was, and you don't have any more real evidence beyond that. There was no rape kit. There was no calling the police. There's no secondary evidence along those lines. Sometimes the DA says we can't prosecute this, but we believe her. They can say that. We don't think we can get a jury to, to say guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, but a lawsuit, in case you didn't know, has a much lower standard of proof. So you just basically have to believe her more than you believe him for her to win a lawsuit, perhaps worth a lot of money. Now, Antonio Brown always could settle. These things are designed to end up with financial endings, right? She's not suing for the heck of it. She is suing because she wants repercussions for Antonio Brown. And in this case... She didn't go to the police. She's not seeking criminal prosecution. She is seeking money. She is seeking a financial settlement. Does Antonio Brown make a philosophical stand and say, I didn't do this, and I'm not going to settle for any amount of money? Or does he say, I've got enough complications in my life. Maybe he still believes he didn't do anything wrong, but it's worth settling anyway. Meanwhile, Roger Goodell, under the modern-day NFL policy, the NFL has to do its own independent investigation, And he, yes, is within his rights to put a guy like Antonio Brown on the exempt list. You're paid, but you're not active while you're on this list. That sometimes gives the NFL time to investigate something, and then they can determine whether there's a suspension or not. Remember that the modern-day baseline suspension, essentially if the NFL thinks you did it, is a six-game suspension. So it's not the whole season, but the baseline is 6 games for this type of violation. It's a different number of games, you know, usually 4 for PEDs, etc. So there's a structure in place. Just remember whether you're a Pan- Patriots fan or, you know, a fantasy league fan or just a concerned citizen if you will. Yes, Antonio Brown can get suspended or put on the exempt list at Roger Goodell's discretion, and if the NFL comes to the conclusion that Antonio Brown is guilty of domestic violence, you're talking about a baseline suspension of six games. Of course, it could be longer than that. There's also a chance that Antonio Brown, if this investigation makes the NFL suspicious of these charges, they could do what they did recently in the Tyreek Hill case and say, man, there's, there's a lot of rotten, smelly, Hill is a bad guy type evidence here, but we don't find enough to declare that he deserves a domestic violence suspension. So it could go either way. Just remember that Roger Goodell is judge, jury, and executioner here, and the New England Patriots have both the erratic personality on their hands that they knew they had in star wide receiver Antonio Brown. But even as he's practicing as we speak, according to reports, they have another potential headache because of this new lawsuit. On the other side, Chuck Amato was a legendary linebacker as a player for NC State. He also took the Wolfpack as a head coach to the winningest season in the history of the program. 11 wins one year during that Philip Rivers era. The Bowden Dynasty is a documentary that debuts tonight on the ACC Network at 8 o'clock. Chuck Amato was among the interviewees, of course, as a longtime right-hand man for that Bobby Bowden guy. Coach Amato on his Wolfpack, the Seminoles, that Bobby Bowden guy, and more next on the David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning, I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs, and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf, and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment, and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Tonight... A documentary entitled The Bowden Dynasty debuts on the ACC Network. We've been giving you tidbits from Bobby Bowden's dozens of visits as a guest here on the David Glenn Show throughout today's program, but it also planted a seed where we thought of our next guest. This guy was an amazing linebacker for the NC State Wolfpack in his playing days in the 1960s. He assisted, among others, Lou Holtz when Coach Holtz was the head coach of the Wolfpack. Then he helped Bobby Bowden build that famous dynasty in Tallahassee. He later went on to become the head coach of the NC State Wolfpack for seven seasons, including the winningest campaign in Wolfpack history, 11-3 and three, back in 2002. We are speaking, of course, of Chuck Amato. Coach, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you?
2: I'm fine. <clears throat> I'm fine. Very um very appreciate you uh, having
0: me on here. It's great to have you, Coach. Uh, tell us what jumps out, given that you have been a guy working under legends like Lou Holtz and Bobby Bowden. I know they interviewed you for tonight's documentary. What's the best way to summarize what made a guy like Bobby Bowden so special?
2: He just he's, he's just himself. He's just a, an unbelievable man. I believe he just turned 89. And he's got he, – he can tell you about, oh, well, back in 1954 when we played Pitt and I was at West Virginia and we were winning big at halftime and they came back out and just ripped ourselves and killed us. I mean, he – and and uh, if you didn't know your name and you were a man, it was Hey Guy. You were a woman. It was Hey Gal. And uh, so he never could get his name wrong. But he – he lets you coach. I, I told him I wanted to uh, do everything I could to take all as much stuff off of his back because as a head coach, uh, the, the job's changed, you know? Yeah. They, they do more than just be a head coach. They have a lot of uh, stuff that you're, you're going to you know, uh, have to uh, do as far as going out with working facilities and just meeting people and all that other good stuff. But uh, he said, if you have a problem, fix it. If you can't fix it, bring it to me. But I hired you to do your job. And that's just the way it was. We'd, we'd uh, come in on a, uh, 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 let's say on a Monday after we, if we would have lost a game, very, on, very, on often did we lose a game. Right, and right. he had have the same, the same thing every, every, every time. He says, "Don't change a play you called. Don't change a defense you called. Don't change a, a kick situation that you did. If we just block better and we tackle better, we win the game."
0: Chuck Chuck Amato's joining us on the David Glenn Show. One of the hallmarks of the Bowden dynasty that you were such a big part of was the consistency, Coach. You know, it's one thing to be great one year or a couple years in a row. The numbers are striking. Fourteen consecutive years, y'all were ranked in the national top five without exception, 14 years in the top five. Some schools are never once in the top five, and you guys did it at Florida State Fourteen years in a row. You just talked about how I guess he he showed an example of consistency, but what else explains that kind of dynasty? Because it's it takes a lot of good coaching and a lot of good players to do it fourteen years in a row.
2: Well, you know, people used to ask me what do you have to do do to beat Florida State, and I said you're not going to you're not going to beat them in recruiting down here in Florida, or really probably anywhere. I said, but The biggest thing you can do, now, I was there 18 years, then I came up here for seven years, and I was back down there for three more. So I was with Coach Bowden for 21 years. Yeah. And I said, uh, the big thing to do is to go in there and uh, dismantle their stats. I was there 21 years, and the assistant coaches, there might have been 21 years, maybe four, maybe five coaches left. Uh, Coach Bowden. And Tallahassee is such a great place to raise a family and and to, to work with a man that is just uh, you know, uh, I hate to say it, but I just don't like what they did to this man. Yeah. I just think it was yeah. wrong. And it, and I'll say that. And NC State did it to a good friend of mine and and Jim Dalvano, and I'll stop it at that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Chuck Amato is joining us on the David Glenn Show. There's certainly other times to share those stories, and he's not alone in those feelings for those who don't know. Coach Amato is part of the documentary tonight. For those looking forward to it, 8 o'clock the debut on the ACC Network. They track down not only our guest, Coach Amato, but Lee Corso and Lou Holtz and Dion Sanders and Burt Reynolds and Nick Saban and Charlie Ward and a whole lot of others. Uh, Coach Bowden, by the way, Coach Bowden's wife, We'll entertain you with some stories about how she was mad at Florida State back in the day. I'll never forget talking to her about that. Uh, but beyond that, uh, the the faith, family, and football part of his equation has become famous. And we've talked to his sons who went on into football in their own ways. What do you remember about that, Coach? Because not sometimes we think of football coaches as being football-first guys, and football was incredibly important to him, but uh, he said it was only third in his hierarchy.
2: Yes, uh, and, and he, he's a big Christian man. Uh, he and Steve Spurrier used to go at it. A lot of it I think it was just for for laugh because Coach Bowden wasn't going to let him or get the best of them and any of that stuff. But uh, no, even when I retired, uh, people said, why? I said, you know what? I don't know why, but I do. I said, uh, the three Fs, you know, faith, family, and football. I want to be around my family a little bit more. Uh, my wife is from Raleigh. Her, her family's from down here. And uh, it's, it's, we, our, our early morning meeting with the, with the staff was at 8.30 in the morning. Now, we, he said, you can come in early and watch film on your own. If you as a defensive coordinator want to uh, you know, get your guys together early, that's fine with me. He says, but the big thing I want uh, that you don't need to be here till 8.30 in the morning because I want you to take your kids, I want you to have breakfast with your kids I want you to take him to to uh, to school in the morning and that was that was kind of something I had never heard of now we we worked late hours now he didn't put any end to it yeah he didn't say at, uh you know at six o'clock night you're out of here because uh, we were there till 11 12 one o'clock in the morning uh, but it, we got a little bit more sleep earlier and and uh I mean to hold together people like uh Mickey Andrews, you know even Jack Stanton. Uh, who was there before Mickey yep. and and Jim Gladden and and I mean I can go on and on and on on both sides of the football. Mark Rick was there yep. as a graduate assistant. He went to East Carolina as a head coach, I believe, or an offensive coordinator rather, for one year and came back. And uh, no, it's there's it's it's just uh, to be around him is is uh, I learned so much and it showed. Coach Holst and him are winners, and they did it different. Coach Bowden, you could he could put on a three-piece suit and whittle and talk. Go to New York, and people would ask him questions. And Coach Holst, he, he talked a, a mile a minute, you know, and he was a little bit faster and this and that. And always had his hands in the pocket. <laughs> if, if if he was a, if he was Italian, they say Italians with their hands in their pockets. I have a
0: speech impediment. It's funny, Coach. I I don't know if you remember this, but uh, it must have been four or five years ago. I saw you at St. Francis Church in North Raleigh. And. you, a, a member of your Akron staff had passed away. So even though you had only been my radio guest and I, d- I didn't see you face-to-face all that often years ago when you were the Wolfpack head coach, I wanted to offer my condolences. And you just reminded me of this by bringing up the Italian part of the story. Uh, my wife is Italian. So you you gave some very kind words as you introduced me to your wife. And, and my wife, you know, loves, oh, that's Coach Amato, Paisan. And she's asking me all these questions in the car on the way home about you and your time at NC State, and I talked about the motorcycle and the sunglasses and the red shoes and you talking about the national championship attitude that you had at Florida State. And, damn, we're going to have fun, and we're going to die trying. And, like, I just remember that sort of uh, zesty, feisty Italian aspect of your time as the Wolfpack's head coach. Some Some of our younger listeners don't remember you as a player or a coach what are your, how do you summarize your, your seven years? Because I know you didn't accomplish everything, but when I was sharing with my wife, Maria, the Italiano, uh, the story of coach Amato, she loved the sound of what I was describing and the, you know, the peak of that 11 win season, even if you didn't accomplish every one of your goals. Well,
2: uh, again, it's it's, that's what I learned from coach Bowden. I was, I was, I came up here and, and I almost sent it down. Uh, and that's a story for another day, but, uh, and I was, I told them this is what we need to do. And, and, uh, they, they fought, I mean, bit at it. And, and, you know, when, when you're around, I, and I love being around people and that's probably the Italian coming out. It. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, I can't, you know, I'm I retired and I'm going nuts. So if you need somebody to talk to every day about something and, and you, you don't know it, give me a call. I, I, really. But I I took what I learned from Coach Bowden and Coach Holtz, And, again, they're totally opposite, you know, but they're both winners and it, it, you work hard and, and uh, they, they let you take care of yourself as far as if there's a problem and only come to me if it's a problem that you cannot solve. Uh, I remember one time coach Bowden, uh, uh, I was in there and I I told him, I said, you know, coach, I I worked for a man by the name of Willis Casey. And he was an unbelievable athletic director. And he liked me, I guess maybe he liked me because I, I played two sports. When I was here, yeah, and not many did that, and uh, but we we became you know very very good friends, but uh, he was he was a man that that uh, uh, he would argue with you just arguing. <laughs> he, he he would tell you, "Hey Chuck, what what's one and one?" I said, "It's two. He goes, "No, it's four. and we argue about it. <laughs> but but uh, um, when 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 but he was so good with with finances i mean as i stood behind it and he said you know i've never fired a coach in my life i give a coach a three-year contract and the three years if he does good i extend it if he does bad i don't extend it right so i didn't fire him, huh. you know and and uh that's that that that's with me and he goes and on, on top of that he goes i I had in my, um, he had in his contract that he had to make, I don't know, let's say a quarter more than any coach that, that was in the athletics department.
0: Real quick, I'm up against a break, right? Coach. Go ahead.
2: And, and, and uh, I said, uh, uh, I told Coach Bowden, I said, you you ought to have, there should be no coach in the state of Florida that makes more money than you. You ought to make a quarter more than any coach in the state, including Don Shaw. I said, no, let's take him out. He's a pro coach. One year later, I couldn't <laughs> wait for Coach Fowden to come in. And I'm sitting at my desk, and my desk was right next to his, okay? And I'm and at my office. And I said, Coach, let me talk to you. He says, I come into my office. Remember that, we had that conversation about money?
0: I'm up against it. I got to let you go. We're back after this on the David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? It was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends (laughs) because i got to go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. Thanks to the legendary Oklahoma coach Bob Stoops for dropping by. Chuck Amato, and he'll be back. David Newton on the NFL from ESPN. TV picks led by Braves Phillies on ESPN and other baseball. The Bowden Dynasty documentary. Enjoy. We'll see you tomorrow.